0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message.
1: So Isaiah chapter 10, in verse 27, the Bible says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. God doesn't want you burdened down, and God doesn't want you to have yokes on your neck, God doesn't want you oppressed by the devil. So, that's what that yoke represents. But while we're at it, if you're dealing with a stiff neck, if you're dealing with any kind of pain in your shoulders, receive the anointing tonight because it removes burdens from your shoulders and destroys the yoke from your neck. So, I just prayed for somebody today. They were dealing with a terrible pain in their shoulder and their neck and it was causing them to have a headache. As we prayed, the anointing manifested. You literally could feel the anointing of God, and it destroyed that thing. That headache left, and they were just healed and blessed. Hallelujah. So as we're talking about it, receive it. In fact, as we just go through this whole teaching on the anointing, receive the anointing. As, your faith, as you're hearing about it, your faith is rising up, don't just settle for understanding of it. Just receive it. Receive it. As you're getting understanding, receive that anointing to just destroy whatever needs to be destroyed, removed, whatever needs to be removed from your life. Just expect that tonight. And then uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Something that still people don't really realize is that any kind of oppression that they're experiencing in life, or they see somebody else experiencing in life, it is not from God. It's never from God. God is not an oppressor. He tells you right here, it's from the devil. The devil is his oppressor. And it's never God's will to, like, be in cahoots with the devil to cause somebody to be oppressed. It's never God's will for somebody to be oppressed. And we see that with Jesus because what did Jesus do? Jesus removed that demonic oppression from people's lives. He healed them. He delivered them. He set them free. He's still the same today. He's still the same today. Now, even though he's not here in physical form, it doesn't matter. The anointing. That was upon his life to do these works of healing people and setting them free from demonic oppression is still here today. That anointing is still here today. Because that, that's that's how Jesus did it. He did it by the anointing. Again, look at it. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who oppressed of the devil for God was with him notice that the good that he did the healings that he he brought forth the oppression of the devil he set people free of was because how because God anointed him God anointed him remember Isaiah chapter 10 27 in that day he'll take away the burden from your shoulder and the yoke from your neck and he'll destroy that yoke because of the anointing, because of the anointing. So it was this yoke-destroying Holy Spirit power that Jesus had upon him on his life that enabled Jesus to do the things that he did. He didn't just do it because he was Jesus. He did it because he was anointed. Hallelujah. Now here's the really exciting news about it. That same anointing that was on Jesus, like I said, it's here today, and it's available for you. And it is to be upon believers in the Lord Jesus. You remember over in Acts chapter 1, this is just a, a review, and we'll build on it a little bit. But we're reviewing some of these scriptures we've been hitting on the last couple of weeks. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples, this is after he rose from the dead and he was about to ascend into heaven, be seated at the right hand of the Father, but before he left, he said to them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now let's just stop for a moment, go back to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus said, well the Bible says concerning Jesus that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See this is the anointing. This is what Isaiah talked about. It removes burdens and destroys yokes. It heals, it delivers. So you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. In other words, you're going to show that Jesus is still alive and does what he does. Does what he always did in healing and delivering people through the anointing. So God expects us to have the same Holy Spirit power upon our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 It says, now he, talking about God, who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, us is God. Hallelujah. So God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. And he has anointed us. And you shall receive power, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So if you haven't received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God wants you to know it's available to you through faith. Believe and receive this great gift from God. Of course, the first thing we're to receive is Jesus. We're to make Him the Lord of our life. We make Jesus the Lord of our life. That's number one. And then, once you've done that, then you can receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit Upon your life. Now it's important to understand that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, God the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. And you are what's called born again. And when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, your insides are anointed. The Spirit of God and power is all on the inside of you. He's, you know, again, to anoint means to pour upon. Rub into, smear over, and so when you're born again, your spirit gets man, hallelujah! Your spirit gets anointed. That's what happens, and so when you are born again, making Jesus Lord of your life, your spirit is anointed. You got an anointing on the inside of you, and First John chapter two verse twenty talks about that, and I think verse twenty four also. It talks about you have an anointing of the Holy One, and you know all things, and that anointing abides in you, remains in you. So you got this anointing on the inside of you. That's talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you receive when you're born again. But then after being born again, there's another anointing that is to come upon your life, where now your outer self, your physical body, is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So we're to have the anointing within and the anointing upon. Now, the anointing within is really for you as an individual. You have the anointing within you, and he leads you, and he guides you, and he teaches you. And it's through that anointing you get revelation from heaven. God speaks to you. And so that anointing in you is for you. The anointing upon you is for somebody else. It's so you can bring healing, deliverance to other people, set captives free in that supernatural way that Jesus set people free. Same way Jesus set people free, you're to set people free because the anointing comes upon you and makes you a witness, makes you a minister of the gospel. So you've got the anointing in you, which is for you, and then the anointing upon you is for somebody else. It's to help other people. And how people know there's a lot of folks that need help They need help. Now, of course, it's for other people, but if it's on you, you know it's blessing you. You know, it's not like it's on me for somebody else and I don't get anything. Oh, no. It's on me right now to preach the gospel to you. See, I'm up here for you. I'm here anointed to preach to you and to pastor you, but I'm getting blessed too. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, you get, you get blessed too because you're the, you're the conduit that the power of God is flowing through. And so you know you're going to get blessed as well. So, but that's the purpose of it. It's for somebody else. It's for ministry. That's why Jesus, he started his ministry at about 30 years of age, the Bible says. When what? When, when the Holy Spirit came upon him in power. And you know Jesus had the, had the Holy Spirit in him. You know, his whole life. I mean, he was born of the Holy Spirit. So he had the Holy Spirit in him. But then, after being baptized in the River Jordan, came up out of that river, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and that's when he started his ministry. Now he had the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power that Isaiah talked about to be able to go out and set those who are oppressed of the devil free. Okay? So we need this anointing. We need this anointing. We don't want to go out and do any kind of ministry work without the anointing of God. When we serve the Lord, we want to serve Him with the ability that He supplies us His ability, His ability. He gives us His ability to minister. In fact, over in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says in verse 10: As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So you've got a gift. You've got grace. There's an anointing that's to be upon your life to enable you to minister supernaturally to other people. He says, so, as each one has received a gift. I mean, it's just kind of like common knowledge to God, to the Bible, that believers have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They've received this gift. They've received the power of God. He says, so go ahead and minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Or another translation says, let him speak the very words of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he says, if you're going to minister, he says, do it with the ability that God supplies. Which tells me you could minister without using the ability that God supplies. In other words, you can minister in your own strength. Otherwise, he wouldn't say, now, if you're going to minister, this is how you do it. Do it with the ability. Do it with the strength. Do it with the power. Do it with the anointing that God supplies you with. That's how you do it. Don't go out there and do it in your own strength, in your own ability. And yet, I got, I got sad news for you. I think a lot of folks that are out ministering are doing it in their own ability. I mean, they sit down. They get their, their group together, and the group comes together and helps the pastor to know what to preach, what not to preach. They tell him what he should say, what he shouldn't say, you know, what's politically, spiritually correct and incorrect, you know. And, uh, you know, helps him to, you know, because he's a little old-fashioned sometimes, the pastor. You know how he is. Uh, you know, he likes to be a stickler for the Word. That's why he needs people around him to help him, not to be such a stickler for the Word. And to make sure that he's culturally all-inclusive you know, and that he is able to not offend anybody when he ministers. And so, of course, this is unscriptural and, quite frankly, ungodly. So we want to do it God's way with God's ability so that God is glorified. That's ultimately what it's all about. God ain't glorified if you're just doing something in the flesh out of your head. That doesn't glorify God. So God's glorified when something happens and people go, Ah, that's God. That's God, right? The tumor's gone. That's God. The pain's gone. It's God. I'm healed. It's God. Nobody can sit there. Nobody can credit a human being with that. Nobody can look and say, oh, Pastor Jack, thanks so much, you know. You set me free. They know God did this, and God gets the glory. God's the one that's honored. God's the one that's worshiped. Can you say amen even at home? Praise God forever. Hallelujah. So we talked about how there's this general anointing of the Holy Spirit that is for every believer. But then we also talked about there are specific anointings or specialist anointings. And we looked at five of them. And that's the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, the pastor, teacher. And uh, we we went through that, went through Scripture, looked up scriptures for all these. We're not going to do that again. But in in summary, an apostle, in addition to teaching and preaching, he is or she is especially anointed to pioneer or start churches, as well as perform signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. That's an apostle. He's a pioneer of churches and performs signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And then we looked at different examples in the New Testament of a prophet. And a prophet, in addition to teaching and preaching, he is anointed to see and know things beyond natural insight or knowledge. In other words, he knows things and tells things that he receives from the Spirit of God supernaturally. And oh hallelujah, we need that. We need that gift. We need that gift today just like they needed it back in the day. We, still, we, still, we need these gifts today. Evangelists, in addition to preaching, and evangelists or evangelists, are anointed for miracles, deliverance, healing. And they have an anointing of great joy. They'll bring great joy to a city. So again, aside from preaching, they're also miracle workers. They bring deliverance, healing, and great joy to folks. Then a pastor, in addition to teaching, a pastor is anointed to feed God's people with knowledge and understanding. He drives away fear, confusion, lack, and weariness... And unifies and keeps God's people from being scattered. So that they don't go into isolation. All right? So that's what the anointing on a pastor will do for people. Praise God. Of course, we all need that. You know, Jesus, he saw this multitude come towards him. And they were weary. And they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Or we could say having no pastor. Notice that. Not having a pastor equals weariness and being scattered. Weary and isolated, and that's not God's will for your life. And so that's why it's so important to have a pastor, and that's why God has raised up that gift. Praise God. Now, besides the five-fold ministry gifts that we just mentioned, there are anointings for other ministry callings. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And in the 28th verse, it says, And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Now, we've talked about apostles and prophets and teachers. But notice, after that, miracles. And, of course, that would go along with the evangelist. But then gifts of healing, gifts of healing, or rather, helps. Notice that, helps. Now, what is helps? Again, this is another ministry gift, That God has provided to the body of Christ. And so with it is an anointing. So that folks can help. Can function in this office of the helps ministry. With an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do it supernaturally. Not do it in their own ability. So what is this helps that it's talking about here? Well helps when you look up the word. In the original language here, it means the ministrations of the deacons. It's defined as the ministrations of the deacons who have care of the poor and the sick. Well, they're not limited to the poor and sick. But, see, it refers to them as deacons. Now, deacons are mentioned over in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 10, it says, But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. So, helps ministry, when you go over there to 1 Timothy, you'll see it's right there with bishops. It's right there with pastors. It's right, right there with the five-fold ministry. And he says, helps. And he's talking about these deacons, or deacons and helps. See, they're talking about the same thing. So helps is deacons, and they're people that assist and help in the church, in ministering to the saints. And they have to be tested. It's not, this isn't a position just for anybody. It's not just like anybody can, can be in the helps. Man. Oh, we need some people to help out. No, 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 no. This is anything you do in the house of God, anything you do with the ability God supplies. You've know, you got to be found worthy of that anointing. You've got to be found worthy of that calling. You've got to be found worthy of that grace. We take that very serious here. We don't just let people jump into positions around here. Oh, can I just help out? Can I just be an usher? Can I just do it? Well, that's helps ministry. You've got to be tested. You've got to be tested. You've got to be found blameless. And the best, the best thing that tests folks is time. And sometimes it just takes time to find out where people are at. You know, faithfulness. How do you know somebody's faithful? Because they told you? No, because you see them over a process of time doing the right thing consistently, the right thing consistently. You know, they're seeking God. They're at church. They're where they're supposed to be. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They treat people right. They're living right consistently, consistently. That's being faithful. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about testing people, testing people. He didn't say they had to be perfect. We're not looking for people that have to be perfect, but they had to be proven to be faithful and to be at least worthy of this position that the Bible refers to as helps or as a deacon in the church. Verse 13 in 1 Timothy 3, it says, "...for those who have served well as deacons or helps obtained for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus." So you get yourself into a position, a help's position, and you're faithful in that position. The Bible says you obtain for yourself good standing in the church and with God. And great boldness. You know, as we serve God and we're yielding to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, man, we're able to become more and more bold. And when I first started out in ministry, I wasn't bold at all. Man, I was really, I was quite timid tell you the truth about it. And uh, I I remember the first time, you know, somebody, somebody said to me, hey, you know, there's this little Baptist church down here in somewhere in Oklahoma. And they said, why don't you come down and minister to the youth? They'd like you to come and minister to the youth. You know, there's this girl that, that knew me. And, and so she asked me if, you know, I'd come minister. She knew that church. And so anyway, I said, that sounds great, you know. So I prepared my message and everything. And I, you know, I went to the, Went to the church. And when I walked in, I mean, I got frozen. I mean, fear just gripped me, you know. And I just started sweating. I had to go in the bathroom. I said, oh, God, take it away. Take it away, Lord. <laughs> Lord I don't need this. I don't need it. I mean, out there's a, there's a handful of teenagers. And they need help. And I'm just, I'm just having a time, you know. But anyway, I got through it. Praise God. And I got through several times like that. You just keep pressing through. You know, you keep following God. Next thing you know, you you start seeing how faithful God is, and you start trusting in that anointing. And you realize that when you're ministering, that ability that he's given you, it comes. It shows up. It's there. And you start becoming confident in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Your faith grows in the anointing, and you become more and more bold. And it affects you in every area of life. It just makes you a bold person in the faith. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about being in a position that helps, being faithful with it, being consistent. You'll find that you'll increase in boldness. You'll have great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How many people want to increase in boldness? Man, we want to increase in boldness. How can we increase in boldness? Help! Serve! Serve! Get anointed to serve, praise God. And we got to watch, you know. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what the position is, and we got all kinds of different positions, whether ministering to children, ministering to youth, ministering to this group, that group, ushers, greeters, you know, all these folks. They need to do it with the anointing, not just stand there and greet people in the flesh. Hi. Oh, I got such a great personality. I'm going to be a greeter. Well, I'm great. glad you have a great personality, but what about the anointing? If there's no anointing on your personality, God's not glorified. Yokes aren't destroyed. Burdens aren't removed. But we've we've had people get set free just by being greeted by somebody that's in the greeter position. You know, they're in the helps ministry as a greeter, and they're anointed. And 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 people get yokes destroyed, burden removed just by being greeted. People in the music ministry. I mean, there's an anointing on them to serve in the music ministry. It destroys yokes. It removes burdens, you know. As they're worshiping and praising God, there's an anointing upon them to destroy yokes and remove burdens. People are getting helped at the same time. It's powerful. So we don't want to just do it in the flesh, you know. And people sometimes say, well, you know, they just need somebody to catch. They just need somebody to... And they just go up there in the flesh... And it's not good. You got to do it in the anointing of God. Because God wants to lead you. He wants to make it all supernaturally. He wants to be glorified in everything we do. All right? And if you'll do that, you'll become more and more bold in your faith. Hallelujah. So that's a great, great secret there to grow in holy boldness. Can you say amen? Praise God. So let's continue on here. First Corinthians 12. Verse 28, so he says, helps, he names helps, and I hope that helped you, what I just said. Actually, let me just, the word deacon comes from the Greek word, diakoniai. And it means to be a servant, attendant, to serve, to wait upon. See, this is helps. This is a deacon. And this is what people do in that position. And it's an honorable position. It's a powerful position. It's just not some little position. We need it. In order for the other positions to work correctly, we need people to be in the helps ministry. So he says helps. After that, administrations. Thank God for administrative gifts. We need folks that have an anointing of administration. Variety of tongues. We talked about that last time. But there's a tongue for ministry. And then he goes on and says they're all apostles, they're all prophets, they're all teachers, they're all workers of miracles, and so forth, and so on. So we see there, helps and administrations are mentioned here. Now let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter. Find out some other specialty anointings. Specialist anointings. Praise God. God's got specialists. Again, this is a general anointing. Then there's there's specialist anointings. Chapter 12, verse 6. It says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. See, different graces, different gifts, different anointings. If prophecy... Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, this isn't necessarily being a prophet. This is just having the gift of prophecy. Being anointed with the gift of prophecy. There's more to a prophet than just prophecy. Okay? Like we saw with um, Philip's daughters. They prophesied. Didn't say they were prophets. They prophesied. So they had that gift. And you do it in proportion to our faith. So in other words, these things all operate according to your faith level. So the anointing level on your life will be determined by the faith level that you're walking in concerning the anointing on your life. So in other words, it didn't just come on you and all of a sudden, you know, this is what happens. You've got to have faith in it. Your faith activates the anointing and causes it to work. And so, the stronger your faith, the stronger the anointing is going to be on your life. Verse seven. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. So, there's all different ministries that people are called to do. We got people doing missionary work, visitation ministry. Like I mentioned, a bunch of ministries we have here going on. So, there's all different kinds of ministries, and so. In our ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. But again, this is the gift of God. This is an anointing of God. This isn't just something man get, tells you to do, and you decide or you decide to do it, and you do it in your own ability. There's an anointing. That's the point. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. So there's an anointing to just exhort people. This isn't preaching. This isn't teaching. It's just stirred up people. Hallelujah. Many times, people that are in the music ministry will also have that gift to exhort and encourage the people. It's an anointing to do it. He who gives with liberality. Now, happen you know, we're all supposed to exhort one another daily while it's called today. That's what the Bible says. We're all supposed to be exhorters, but then there's people that are specially anointed to exhort the body of Christ. And then he says here, giving. How many people know we're all supposed to be givers? And we're all supposed to be growing in the grace of giving. We're all supposed to be tithers and givers and get good at it and enjoy it. Man, that'll make you bold as a lion. You know, as you're faithful in giving, that'll make you, make, make you very bold. You don't, make, you don't have to be intimidated by bills, but you'll be bold. Hallelujah. But then there's those that are specially anointed to give, to give. And the Lord uses them to give large sums of money to the body of Christ. There's just this incredible grace upon their life to do it. Now I've seen people kind of twist that and think that they're in the ministry of getting money to give. I'm in the ministry of making money so I can give. Now that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say anything about making money. It just says gift. Giving. That's what it talks about. Is a grace to give. All right? So the, a lot of people will say that because they're money-minded, and they go work for money, 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 and then they say, well, it's a grace of my life so I can give. No, you're focused on giving. You're not focused on getting. But many times these people are in business. These people do have businesses and things like that, but their focus is on giving and not on getting. God supernaturally increases them because they're anointed. They're anointed to give. So that means there's an anointing on them to have so that they can give, don't you think? all right amen he says he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence there's leadership anointings people that are called to lead he who shows mercy with cheerfulness so there's people that have mercy ministries you know ministries of, of compassion you know feed the poor and and those that are broken down and bring some cheerfulness into some oppressed people's lives you know and they've got an anointing to do it Help set people free. Can you say amen? So there's some more specialty anointings that God has in the body of Christ. And you need to know about them so that God can call you into some of these things. And that when he calls you into it, you understand that it's something you're to function in supernaturally. It's not just something that is a little extra add-on job that you're being given at the church. All right? Praise God. So be faithful to the Lord in your ministry, whatever God anointed you. And if you don't have anything, see, be faithful and, and look to God and expect God to anoint you with a special anointing somewhere to serve because He wants to do that. He wants you to serve. Praise God. Now, to understand the anointing better, I want to look at some characteristics of the anointing. Let's look at some different characteristics of the anointing. And one of the best places to do that is in Mark chapter 5. Mark the fifth chapter, where there was a woman who had an issue of blood, and she came to Jesus and was healed. And there's a lot of things we can learn about the anointing of the Holy Spirit by looking At this woman's life and this example here in the Word of God. So let's look at it. Mark chapter 5, and in verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, pressing up against you? And you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, notice this here, something we've been saying all along concerning the anointing. And that is, it is activated by faith. It is activated By faith. We see that here with this woman. Here, Jesus is in the midst of a crowd of people. And they're all pressing up against him. They're all making contact with him. But yet, when this woman made contact with Jesus, power flowed out of Jesus. That's the anointing. Holy Spirit power yoke-destroying, burden-removing, healing power, flowed out of Jesus into her body and immediately healed this woman. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Lord, people all around you touching you. Why are you asking that question? But he knew somebody touched him with the touch of faith. See? She came in faith to receive, which shows you Something. It's not just touching Jesus. It's not just being around somebody and touching somebody that's anointed that causes you to receive the benefits of the anointing. It takes faith, which means faith, which means the anointing could be here right now. And it is. It could be right right here, right now, which means it's right there, right now. We're talking about it. Spirit of God's here, hovering, moving. This anointing here is flowing. The anointing of a pastor is flowing. There's the anointing of believers that are flowing. We've come together in one accord in different places today, but we're, in one, we're here. And There's a corporate anointing. It's flowing. And yet it can flow right past a whole lot of folks, and they don't experience a single thing. They don't experience anything from that anointing. They're just like these people that are all crowding around Jesus, getting nothing. But the woman that came in faith... Knowing that he was anointed. How did she know? Well, the Bible starts off by saying she heard about Jesus. She heard about him. Well, what did she hear? Well, she must have heard that he was anointed. See? Because Jesus himself, we know, was preaching that he was anointed. That was one of his first messages that we saw in Luke chapter 4. He came in after being water baptized by John and the Spirit of God coming upon him. He went about and ministered, but then he came to his own hometown. You remember that? He stood up in the synagogue to preach. He opened up where it is written in the book of Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel and to heal and so forth and so on. So he proclaimed that. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So in other words, I'm anointed. Here it is. Let's do this. So he was making that known so that people could put their faith in the anointing of God that was upon his life. So she heard about it. She heard about it. People were talking about it. She heard that he was anointed. In verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Notice that she came to him. So she heard, for her to come to him, she obviously believed what she heard. She believed he was anointed. She heard about it. She believed it. She acted upon what she believed. See, this is faith. Faith without works is dead. She acted upon what she believed. And verse 28 says, For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So she said something. She said what she believed. That's what faith does. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So again, faith without works is dead, but faith without speaking is dead also. Faith is made up of believing and saying what you believe. And then acting upon what you're saying and believing. And that's exactly what this woman did. And of course, Jesus ends the whole thing in verse 34, saying to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Notice, he didn't say, my power has made you well. The power of the Holy Spirit did make her well. But that's not what he he emphasized. He said, your faith. See, everybody else that was touching him apparently had no faith because nobody was being made well. Nobody was getting any better. And yet, they're making making contact with the same anointed one that she made contact with. Do you get that? See, we don't want to be like the crowd. We don't want to be like everybody else. We want to get ours. We want to get everything God's got for us. We want to lay hold of this power of God. We don't want it to pass us by. You know, like Brother Ol Roberts used to say. He said, you're either experiencing a miracle or a miracle is passing you by. So true. Come on. There's an anointing that you're either experiencing tonight and it's teaching you and it's helping you and it's liberating you or it's passing you by. And you don't want that anointing, you don't want to be a person that's just a crowd person and this the anointing just passes by and you're just content with hearing about something. No, bless God, you're hearing so you can be receiving. You're hearing so you can be getting. She heard, she believed, she acted upon what she believed, she declared what she believed. And bless God, she got it. Hallelujah. She got it. Amen. And that's how we are. Faith activates the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Notice that. Knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. He was aware of the power of God or the anointing of the Holy Spirit going out of him. It flowed out of him into this woman. So we can see here. That the anointing is tangible. The word tangible means perceivable to the touch. Perceivable to the touch. In other words, it's tangible. It's capable of being touched. And it's it's capable of being felt. So Jesus, he felt it. He perceived it. He, he, he felt it literally go out of him. Now, I, I've... I've have felt the anointing of God so many times, but I remember one of the very first times. I was just newly saved. My family was just getting born again, you know. We were just just fired up. I just led my brothers to the Lord and things. And we were worshiping God one night. We had the lights down, and we just had some worship music on, worshiping God. It was so new to everybody. We were just enjoying ourselves at home. And then somebody brought up my cousin about praying for my cousin. So we said, yeah, let's pray for his cousin so-and-so. So I said, in the name of Jesus, we just, and as soon as I did, I prayed and I reached out my hand. I felt what felt like electricity go all through my body and go out my hand that I was pointing with. I felt power going. I went, whoo, man. My brother jumped up. My other brother felt it. All three of us felt it at the same time. Might have been four. But I know three for sure. Felt it at the same time. We felt the power of God as we got in one accord and we determined to pray for our, for our cousin. We literally felt the power of God rush through us like that. So amazing. Powerful. So it was tangible, it was a tangible experience. So the anointing is tangible and it's transferable. It's transferable or transmittable, capable of being transmitted. Because Jesus said, who touched my clothes? Notice that. This woman touched his clothes. Well, God didn't anoint his clothes. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. But see, Jesus, he's anointed, and the clothing that he's wearing apparently absorbed that anointing. Because it was on him, it absorbed that anointing. And so when that woman touched his clothes, not just his body, touched his clothes, he didn't lay hands on her. When he touched her clothes, that power flowed out of him into her body. So it was transferable or transmittable. In other words, it was capable of being transmitted. It was transmitted through the clothing into her body when she made contact with it. Now, there's other examples of people that uh, came to Jesus in faith concerning touching the hem of his garment. You see this over in Matthew chapter 14. Don't you just love hearing about the anointing? I love hearing about the anointing. This gets me fired up. Praise God. Gets me fired up to see more of the anointing in our life. What a powerful gift that we have this power available to us. And I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're experiencing. The anointing is more than enough to destroy that thing and remove it from your life. The Anointing will just drive the devil right out of your body. Set your body free. It'll straighten things right up. So just say, say this right now. Say, I received the anointing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for flowing in me. Helping me. Strengthening me, healing me, refreshing me, blessing me, empowering me in Jesus' name. Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. God wants you blessed so much so that you're taken care of and you can go out and be a blessing. It's hard to be a blessing when you're not blessed. So you got to get blessed and then you can be blessed. So it's okay to ask for you. It's okay to receive for you. Because you know, the better you are, the better it is for everybody else. Because you're in the blessing business. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're just looking to go around doing good and healing those who are oppressed to the devil. Because that's who you are. That's what you do. Because you have an anointing of the Holy One to be able to do these things. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. It says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, recognized Jesus, they set out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. So it's not just isolated to this one woman. Here is a a large number of people, crowds of people that were coming and receiving the anointing by touching, by having faith in the anointing and making contact with Jesus' garment. And they received that anointing. Now we know over in Acts chapter 19, uh, an amazing example of how the anointing is transferable and transmittable. Uh, in Acts the 19th chapter, the apostle Paul, a man just like you and I, what made him so wonderful was the anointing. His faith in the anointed. His faith in God. That's what enabled him to do all kinds of supernatural things. And the Bible says here in verse 11. Acts 19.11. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Of course, I'd like it not to be so unusual. Wouldn't it be nice if this becomes usual? This is what we do. This is what happens. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So the anointing that was on Paul, just like that anointing on Jesus, went into Jesus' clothing and anybody that made contact with his clothing were healed and they made contact in faith. Paul, he would... Take hold of some aprons and handkerchiefs. People maybe would bring him some handkerchiefs. He'd lay his hands on them. And that anointing that was in him, upon him, flowed out of his body into those cloths. So we see it again. Transferred. Transmitted into those cloths. And then they were apparently, the power was apparently stored in those cloths. In the same way you would store electricity in like a battery. And then you just pick up the battery and you use it anytime you need it. The power of God, the anointing of God, went into those cloths in the same way and was stored there until they were able to get it to the sick people and the demon oppressed people. And the demons came out of people. Demons, like, ah, what kind of cloth is that? Right? I mean, the demons freaked out. They came in contact with a handkerchief and it caused them to have to leave. Because the power of God jumped out of that cloth and destroyed the yoke and removed the burden. Now, you know those people who brought those cloths brought them in faith. And they brought it to people in faith. And that power flowed out. And it worked. Isn't this amazing? So we see that there's laws that govern the anointing of God. Like in the same way, there are laws that govern electricity. In fact, John G. Lake, who was mightily used... In the power of God. Worked incredible miracles. Even unusual miracles. He said electricity is God's power in the natural realm. The Holy Ghost power is God's power in the spiritual realm. And we know that things in the natural are patterned after spiritual realities. That's why the Bible tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. It's teaching us about the glory of God. Over in Romans chapter 1, it's telling us that the creation is preaching. It's preaching. It's declaring the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, the nature of God. The creation itself is teaching us. So the natural is patterned after spiritual realities. And so, yeah, you can see that with the anointing. It flows like electricity, and it can be conducted... Through certain materials. Natural material. This is a spiritual anointing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, yet it can flow through material things, natural things. It can manifest in natural things, become tangible. It becomes stored in natural things. Well, don't look at me that way. I see you looking at me like that. You, you see, I understand. How can a spiritual thing be stored in a natural thing? Are you a natural thing? Is your body natural? Spirit of the Lord is upon your body? Okay. So your body is just skin. And uh, your skin is porous. So apparently it absorbs the anointing. absorbs God. So if your skin is good conduit for the anointing, then why couldn't your shirt be? Why couldn't your cloth be? Why couldn't the handkerchief be? Why couldn't the apron be? Why couldn't... These are the materials be good conduit or conduct the power of God. So, uh, you know, we see that. Now, faith, just like electricity has an, for these lights and things and, and different things have on and off switches. So, so, see, it works the same way. Faith is like the on switch. Unbelief is the off switch. So you got the switch of faith, turning, th- turning on the power of God, and then the switch of unbelief. And so, you know, you can have the anointing working, And then somebody just come in and turn the switch off. And that reminds me, you know, years ago, there was this woman. They were going to amputate her leg. And she so didn't want her leg amputated, young lady. You know, she just believed God would heal her. We got to ministering to her, my pastor and myself out in Oklahoma. Man, faith started rising in her. And they had already cut the nerves to her legs and things. And they were telling her, you got to get that leg amputated. She was holding out. We got over there, started ministering to her. We got her faith built up. We laid hands on her. The power of God came in, and all of a sudden she went, oh, she felt pins and needles in her leg, pain running through her leg. Oh, it was a excruciating pain, but she said it was the greatest thing she ever felt because she shouldn't have been able to feel anything. I mean, the switch of faith was on. Her legs started twitching. It started twitching, and she, she, felt, she felt pain in her leg. She shouldn't have been able to feel anything, and there should have been no moving. They were always telling her that it's just a dead piece of meat. That's how they described her leg, just a, just a dead piece of meat. But here it's twitching, and she's feeling pain, and she's getting so excited. And we're there in her house, and all of a sudden, her husband shows up, who's an unbeliever, and her son, who follows the unbeliever, her husband... And so they came in the house, and she said, look, she said, look, my leg, it's twitching, and I feel, I feel, I feel pain in my leg. And they forget it. They looked at her with scorn, and they went, they rolled her eyes and walked out of the room. Her whole countenance dropped, and that power of God just diminished. And she went into, she got so sad and miserable it was like they just came in with their unbelief and they made, their vi- they made it visible. They made it very clear, their unbelief. They didn't want anything to do with it. It's so discouraged her, it just knocked the switch of faith off. Isn't that sad? So, you know, you want to be around faith people that are going to help keep the switch of faith on. But there's an example of just like electricity, there's, a switch, there's an on switch and an off switch. It's faith or unbelief. We want to keep the switch of faith on. On concerning the things of God. Hallelujah. And not allow unbelief to come in. All right. So, verse 30, the, uh, and this is, I skipped over this, but Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him. No, we didn't skip over this. Did we skip over this? No. The anointing is tangible. So, the anointing is tangible. The anointing is transferable and transmittable. It's capable of being transmitted. We saw that it can be absorbed and stored in certain materials like cloth. And, uh, and then we also see another incredible example of the anointing. There was someone that was anointed mightily with the Holy Spirit. His name was Elisha. There was Elijah who was anointed. And then Elisha was anointed with a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had. Elijah, man, he called fire to heaven. He walked in mighty signs, wonders, mighty deeds, powerful things. And Elisha walked in twice as much. So he was heavily anointed with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in 2 Kings, and this is is worth turning to and looking at, 2 Kings chapter 13, Elijah had died and they had buried him. There was a day where there was some other folks having a funeral for someone and they needed to bury their friend. And in verse Twenty. It says, "Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man. Suddenly, they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. You words, know, they didn't have time to bury their friend. They're having this funeral, so they look. They see these raiders coming in to the land." And what are we going to do with Charlie? They said, we'll just throw him over here in this open tomb over here. They're like, well, I think that's Elisha. That's that prophet. We don't have time. Throw him in there. So they throw him in there. And uh, they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched. Everybody say, touched. Touched the bones of Elisha. He revived and stood on his feet. I mean, there was so much power that was left in those bones. There was so much anointing residue that his... Think about now. Here he was anointed. We saw that anointing get into cloth and things. And it could be stored until those cloths were brought to sick people and demon-possessed people and things to help to get them free. Here, his bones have absorbed this anointing so that even though the skin has rotted away and it's just bones lying, there's a skeleton lying in there, it's full, it's charged with this power. And they let this man down, this dead man, they put him in there and when he makes contact with the bones, power goes through his body and it revives him. Now that's some serious power. But there you see it. Those bones had absorbed the power of God and when, when contact was made with them, it raised a man from the dead. And then obviously healed him of whatever he died of. Otherwise, he just would have died again. So, it healed him. It delivered him. It set the man free. Very, 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 very powerful. Now, another thing we see with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha received a double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah, which tells us something else about the anointing, and that is it is measurable. It can be measured. It can be measured. Concerning Jesus, the Bible says in John 3.34 that he received the Spirit, the anointing, without measure. But there are measures of the anointing. So, you know, you think of a cup, maybe like a measuring cup, and you pour one cup of water in the measuring cup. You measure one cup. But that's not the full capacity of the measuring cup. You know, maybe it goes up to a gallon. Maybe it's a big measuring cup, you know. And you can get a gallon of water in there. But this person's only got one cup's worth of water. In, well, we can say of the anointing. See, so it's measurable. It's measurable. So it can be increased more and more. So there are some people that have more anointing than other people. So not everybody has the same measure of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And again, what increases the measure? Faith. Faith in the anointing and faithfulness with the anointing will increase the measure of anointing that God places upon your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. So let's review real quick. The anointing is activated by faith. The anointing is tangible, which means it's perceivable to the touch. The anointing is transferable or transmittable. It's capable of being transmitted. The anointing can be absorbed and stored in certain materials like cloths. The anointing is measurable. Hallelujah. So there are just some things concerning the anointing of God to help us familiarize ourselves with the anointing. We need to expect a tangible anointing to flow in our midst. It shouldn't be a strange thing to us when the power of God flows and knocks people off their feet. Uh, You know, people, Oh, I felt that people feel the power of God. That shouldn't be a strange thing. It's very, very scriptural. It's very much Bible. And it's something we need to be actually expecting and experiencing more and more. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand up on our feet here in the sanctuary.
0: That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at LOFBC.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is LOFBC.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.